Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast of which we are the worst. I am Eddie. I'm Alec. And I'm Cody. And today we are going to talk about fraternal correction and things. So what you're telling me is you're if you're this is an episode for people in in frats. Yes, if how to operate the best frat that you can have. Like <laughs> when what's the correct way to do it? What's the incorrect way to do it? Um no, that's funny, but the real reason why is this is an intervention for you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a topic that I think has been on the hearts of, you know, us here at Sinners Take and also specifically uh, Joseph, the guy who is doing the blogs, um, and I believe coming out next week will be a blog on a similar topic as this. But just the idea of how to, so he w- he spent some time in seminary, and just the idea of dealing with like your brother seminarians and how to correct them from a loving way when they are doing things that are wrong, and how that is productive, and how to make it productive versus other means of correcting people. So fraternal correction is one way to word it, but also just you know constructive criticism, I guess you could say, but. <laughs> Uh, obviously, you don't need to be a religious brother for it to happen. But how do you approach people who you love, or really anybody at all? Not even. Well, those should be the same. Dang, <laughs> roasted. Uh, how do you approach people who you think are doing something wrong, uh, particularly in the faith, from a place of love, that so that it is productive instead of just you're wrong and I hate you, right? And I think there's some things that are going on in our world today that, you know, kind of bring this to light as to how this is a need of human beings in general, one, and two, of our society now. And the thing is, is now as we have, we have a society where people are more under a microscope than ever, we need more like loving correction of people. But what we actually see is less. And we see, uh, you know, things like the cancel culture, where there's all sorts of issues with that. And we see... Uh, people thinking that like a, like a tolerant mindset is all that matters. Like you can't to disagree with someone is to reject them as a person is a, is another mindset. And I think those are kind of the the directions where we're, where we're taking it. Initial thoughts, anybody? Yeah, I think the one of the important things that I've found with this is to make it like we are not our ideas. So if someone is criticizing an idea or something, they're not necessarily criticizing us. And there's also the charitable reception of fraternal correction, which is trusting that that person has your best interest at heart and does love you. And this is coming from a good place sometimes, even if it isn't, but to, to still be receptive in that way. And the other thing is when we're talking about, if you are correcting someone, my first thought was quote, my dad used to put at the bottom of his emails, uh, <laughs> maybe a little passive aggressively, <laughs> but it said, don't speak to be understood speak so that you can't be misunderstood. And so to just be very clear when you're talking about this, that you are still, you do still love the person and that this is not an attack on them and to make that clear so that there isn't some misunderstanding because this is an area uh, ripe to be misunderstood and that can definitely damage a relationship. So those were my two initial thoughts. Because the most essential virtue for this would be humility which unfortunately is also the most difficult virtue to have. So people struggle with it, right? Because they, it's very hard for us as human beings to not associate when someone calls us out on something with being attacked personally. And we'd rather deny any areas that we need improvement than acknowledge them. I think the reason 
that it has become so hard to fraternally correct people is because the greatest offense that you can cause another person is to offend them, right? Or or to hurt their feelings in some way by something that you've said. That like there there it's such like a hot thing like oh you can't talk about that or you can't like you can't broach that topic with with this person or you can't it seems that, and maybe it is because people identify themselves so much with what they think or what they hold to be true because I, you know, and there's more down that road, but I think it, it has become a particularly tricky area to navigate because you're afraid of offending someone because, it, you know, it's the worst thing that you could possibly do to another person. Yeah. Is. Which seems like a, a, a natural consequence of as we, move away from a sense of right versus wrong right this kind of modern modern postmodern whatever you would call it i'd call it relativism (laughs) yeah relativism right like if there is no stupid okay so we have a few ideas (laughs) Um, so if there is no right or wrong how could i how could you possibly tell me that i'm wrong what do you mean i'm right but at the same time it kind of feels like Maybe they're telling you you're not right for the, no. for disagreeing with them. So I don't know. It, it seems inconsistent, but it seems like a consequence of no real right and wrong. And because they're possessive of it, right? Like you, you they call it my truth, right? Like it's my truth. So it, you're attacking me by attacking it. Easy solution is if anybody ever says that you have offended them, you just say, well, the fact that I offended you offends me. Like I'm offended that you took offense <laughs> to that. And then it's just cycles right infinite regress the conversation goes they, get, they get offended that you were offended by them being offended and nobody wins and nobody wants to be a part of that conversation and like we've talked about before if you find yourself not offending anybody then you probably aren't doing a good job of being a christian right we've talked about that before like you're going to naturally offend people by the way you live your life and by the things that you talk about so we specifically as christians cannot steer away from being offensive now obviously that does not give a green light to like be offensive um like you yourself should not be an offensive person, but people will be be offended by the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's resistance because if they hear if they hear that there is a truth that they are not currently living their life by, then the, it forces change. There would naturally be resistance to that. Now, I think a good a good place to start too is with the the seemingly very present idea that like you if you reject somebody's idea, you reject them as a person. And that, again, going, getting kind of diving deeper into this whole offense thing, but where it seems that we live in a world where those two things don't exist simultaneously, that like you can either accept somebody for exactly what they believe and love them or neither. I worked with someone leading retreats over the summer, and she is also a theology teacher. And she had said that she was having a conversation with her students and they were talking about, you know, like what tolerance meant or what what like a loving mindset would be. And she said, so if somebody approached me and told me that they were uh, like polytheistic, right? They're like, they know I am Catholic and or Christian. And, and, and somebody approaches me and tells me that they are, you know, Buddhist and they believe in uh, this thing. I don't agree with this thing. I don't agree with this thing. I don't agree with. They have good reasons for all of the things that they, or at least they've come to decent conclusions about the things that they think about and believe. uh, But I disagree with them. Can I, if I tell them, I love you and I respect you and I want what's good for you, but I disagree with what you're saying, is that an intolerant mindset? And unanimously, her students said, yes, that is an intolerant mindset, 
you have you have to support what he's saying to some degree like you have to uphold it as as true to some, or because then again what, what does that mean what, what what does it mean does it mean that i have to just roll over and say yeah you're so right man wow you are well, you, you are the math. smartest person uh-huh. what if you did that to all your students and said i know that like you <laughs> i know that you think three plus five is eight but i am telling you now because i think so that three plus five is nine and that's how you have to do that that's how you have to you have heard it said that three plus five equals eight <laughs> no. but i say to you i'll show you still more perfect way three plus five equals nine and anybody who thinks it is eight will be liable to judgment no. <laughs> be liable to an f <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and an email home that the thing is that's not even what the word tolerance means obviously and i think that people this is not just a problem that high schoolers have and i know if it really gets fleshed out people they always they probably would try to weasel away from it because it's like oh right by nature tolerance means that you have to disagree with them it means that you are tolerating a fact that you guys are in differing opinions on this matter and that does not like or also would just be an agreement (laughs) there's nothing to tolerate if you agree with them so it's a good point yeah the whole point is that you disagree with it now tolerating means like it, it, we can live simultaneously like i tolerate this opinion of you um but I, and i think maybe what they're trying what maybe they were trying to get at too is that you can't think that what you're saying is better you can't approach somebody and say hey i see the lifestyle that you are living i think it would be i tolerate you for it i'm not going to fight you for it but i believe that it would be better if you lived this way and i think that people don't do that right that that's not something that people think you can do. Which is difficult because, right, if we're going to define love as to will the good of the other as other, that means we have to have at least an idea of what we think is good for them so that we can act on it. And that's the danger of why I think Christianity gets criticized by non-Christians and non-theists as feeling condescending or kind of uppity. And the the whole holier-than-thou idea is like, I know what's good for you. But at the heart of love is kind of saying, I at least I think this is what's good for you. And of course, we have to pray for the grace to be able to discern what our role in that is. It's hard. It's hard to just sit back and like passively want something good for someone else. And it seems that the world we live in, if we want to coin it this way, you heard your first and sinners take. We live in a world with only tolerance and no love where it isn't it's just i just tolerate you you tolerate me and so we you know everyone's okay with whatever but there isn't authentic love there because again if there is authentic love you would want what is absolutely best for them i think i actually heard that first from bishop baron dang it so, did you really yeah i'm pretty, I'm pretty dang sure it, it. man <laughs> come on too slow too slow <laughs> whatever did i'm you, not did mad. you actually know that no i didn't oh okay <laughs> That was that is that a real thing? Because I could have seen that happening on purpose. He he does talk about that. Ah! About how tolerance isn't love. It's either him or Father Mark Schmitz. Never heard of either one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Bishop Mike. Dynamic duo. What was his name? You said Bishop who? (laughs) Baron Schmitz. Yeah. He said he's never heard of a Bishop Baron. (laughs) The other the other aspect of this is okay. So either you can't correct anybody at all, unless you. I mean, I guess at the same time though. It's like this weird situation where we have we live in this cancel culture as well, which I don't want to get too much into because I think people have heard enough about it and things like that. But the idea that like this one action from infinite amount of time backwards basically 
uh, not infinite, but you know what I'm saying. From any time of your life, if you've done anything that goes against whatever, this idea of tolerance, you are canceled. <laughs> like, and uh, we, you know, we can, we can say that this person is bad because of this bad action, which just is so much against what Christianity is, obviously. And it's not helpful, right? It's not, it's not helpful for anybody. It's not helpful for the growth of the individual, for the growth of the world, or for even the growth of whatever movement it is being, it is being promulgated. Like whatever goodness people are striving towards, which, you know, I think it, there's a lot of things that we are striving towards that are not good, but there is also things that are good that we are striving towards. It, a lot of it is undone by taking those who you know, maybe mess up or whatever it is and just getting rid of them. And yeah, what does that say to a person if, like, we know you're better now and you've totally fixed everything, but, like, you did make that mistake, so you're out. Like, it, there can't be perfection or nothing. And it also misses, it's to say that we don't have humility if we're going to cancel someone else for making a mistake because we've we've made plenty of mistakes in the past but if we're not going to have the humility to recognize that and we feel like we can then criticize someone else's the other problem is it flies right in the face of the ideal of tolerance right if you're going to hold tolerance as the ideal and then turn around and say okay but we're, we're actually going to just erase this person's thought and like good name from history because they did something one time that i didn't agree with whether it was bad or good, it doesn't matter. If you're holding up tolerance as your highest ideal, you can't also cancel people. I put that in air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said it differently. And again, not much more needs to be said. It, people have talked about cancel culture to the, their blue in the face. So what is the solution, right? What is the, is the alternative? Because again, tolerance in a blind sense, bad. Cancel culture in a blind sense, bad. So there's got to be something good, right? <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this idea of fraternal correction, I'm going to lay out kind of my first thoughts on it that I gave you the clear opportunity for first thoughts like 15 minutes ago. Oh, I knew it. (laughs) These are no longer first thoughts. Okay, cool. Before we Uh, say anything else, I just want to throw out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that the importance of relationship in fraternal correction, I think that when you are approaching a situation where you are wanting to fraternally correct somebody, it's important, and I think this was mentioned, that you know I don't love you any less. I don't see you any differently. I don't no longer respect you. But it, it is because of the love I have for you that I want to address this thing with which I disagree. And then you can kind of set set the stage up front of, I want to have an honest discussion because one of two things is going to happen. You're right, in which case you will help me no longer worry about you and I will have learned something. Or I'm right, in which case you will no longer be doing the thing that is not good for you and neither of us have to worry about this thing anymore. One or the other. I mean, of course, it's usually somewhere in the middle that where, where the right thing is, but to set the stage early of I love you and that's why I'm doing this, and I want to, I want us to get through this together. Having the groundwork of a relationship, I think, is where the trust comes from that is needed for them to take your word for what you're saying. Because I, if you were just to walk up to someone and be like, hey, I really think you'd be happier doing this, right? If you were to phrase <laughs> it like that, you, you have no baseline of that being true. I, even if it is like the difference between you are living in blatant objective sin 
and even a step away from that would actually make you happier people wouldn't receive it that way and i think that comes naturally like you hear people say all the time like that's not my place yeah or, or letting some it, you know consider the source right it, it mm-hmm. matters from whom it's it's good for you too right if you were trying to fraternally correct someone to have some baseline of both the goodness and happiness of the person you are addressing because then you can clearly see and and you can come at it with with an, an effective love right like or i say effective love right there like you have affection for them in what you're saying because you wish that things were better for them not just on like oh i'm right and you're wrong sort of stance but like hey i i know that you have been happier than this and i know that you have been better than this and i want to see that happen again right like it, it painful to see you not being all that you could be on both ends having the relationship as a groundwork to start is is beneficial and people don't want to do it because it's hard work right it's 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 expensive as far as like your time resources go if we want to word it that way where canceling somebody or just being tolerant of everything is very easy people say that you know tolerance is difficult but i mean not really it's just everyone just kind of stays out of their way or whatever it is but there's no courage there really i mean you could say that there is and i'm not saying that everyone who has ever been tolerant is in courage and there are definitely moments where like to like especially when disagreements get heated but overall like there's no action there it's all passive so but to actually like have courage to stand up and talk to somebody about it and then be willing to put time into it because fraternal correction if done properly oftentimes takes years and i'm not saying that you need every single person you talk to needs to be walked with for years but sometimes you will be called to do that and that won't be easy. and you might not even it might not even work out in the end so it, it's one of those things where it's just it just also is lazy to not just go after the well you're canceled or this person is a heretic or this person is a sinner or whatever that's just not productive because again you know if you want to if you want to make someone more entrenched in their own beliefs just scream at them your own so <laughs> think of neville longbottom in the first harry potter and then at the end, when Dumbledore says, it takes a great deal of courage to stand up to one's enemies, but a greater deal to stand up to one's friends. That's all. <laughs> think about that. Think about it. <laughs> uh, but, but that's what it, it makes me think of. Like it is, it is hard to stand up to your friends, and it was good for Harry, Ron, and Hermione to know that their actions affected the entire house of Gryffindor, you know, and to not just be totally selfish about it. And, you know, obviously the thing is, I can see there's kind of an issue here where it's like, well, you're not friends with everybody. So, like, does that mean you can't ever correct anybody else? And I would say that there is also a way to approach somebody, even if you don't know them super well, if the situation calls for it, with love. And all the other principles still apply. And obviously you might not be able to walk. But then again, sometimes you may be, this may lead to a long period of walking. Because especially if you don't know them and they're living a certain life or you encounter them in the bar whatever it is, and you're just talking with them and they're, you know, they're speaking to you and be like, hey, have you considered this, right? We go back to the impose instead of, uh, I mean, no, sorry, propose versus impose onto people. And they might not have anybody that can walk with them. So sometimes it's almost harder to speak to the stranger and sometimes may involve, if you do it properly, a longer time commitment because your friends, you kind of already see them a lot. And it's kind of ingrained into your life where you'll see it's different that you just kind of transition time that you already spend with them as opposed to like, I got to find time for this guy. So, which is what happened to me. I mean, I was brought around and I was not practicing the faith anymore. And then, you know, it was proposed to me and it took a year of 
a whole group of people's time to, to get me around. Um, thanks be to God that they did. I mean, I know how much better my life is now. I'm literally getting married in six days because these people put the effort in and it's through them that I met my soon to be wife. So yeah, it, it can be a big investment, but, but it's worth it. And, uh, we need to try, right. We need to, we need to do it. So, uh, I think there's also a respect to it of saying to the other person, you, you are worth me putting this effort in because how, disrespectful is it to say like you're not even worth me trying to help you be better as opposed to saying i'm going to do what i can and maybe i can't get you there or maybe i'm misguided but i really am trying my best because i want what's best for you and you are worth it and i guess just just to wrap up like really kind of tie it all put a nice little bow on it what what do you do i mean i think scripture does a good job of you know who would have thought um (laughs) right where if you have a disagreement with somebody to talk to them one-on-one and then if they still disagree with you bring bring like another trusted voice and if they still disagree with you they say bring the church so you know i and it's not always that neat and tidy obviously but to seek the time sit down talk with them and again everything that alex said right where you are you're not make it very abundantly clear that you are not attacking them personally but the biggest thing when you are talking about these things is for an argument to escalate, it requires both people like no, like essentially almost always, if you go into it with the mindset of, I know I'm not going to like attack this person. And if they, if they, if they come at me with disagreement, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to let myself be agitated by it. And if they get defensive, I will not get defensive back. If they lash out at me for, you know, will you do this? Right. I'm not going to take it personally because I'm doing this out of love. So and if you go into it with the mindset of like I'm not going to let this get out of hand, it won't. No, knowing that going forward, some you know some of the tips and, and ways to approach it, which goes back to what we have talked about in the past, that someone must first be loved before they can love. So, yeah, someone might not know what this love feels like and react in who knows what way, but to love them through that aggressive, negative, or whatever the reaction is is necessary i think on the flip side of all of this is to know how to receive it because i think there's a virtue in that as well it's called humility (laughs) and it's super hard but no i mean if i mean even if you want to look at it from kind of like a prideful or selfish point of view if i wanted to become the best version of myself or like if i wanted to be like literally the best the goodest person i could possibly be it would make sense that i would take other people's opinions on it because i would have to at some point accept that I don't know everything and that there's more that I could learn by polling other people and asking people to speak honestly to me about my faults and but yeah just knowing how to receive it I think is is also important knowing that like Alex said they're sticking their neck out to tell you this and they probably wouldn't tell you this if they didn't actually think it'd be better for you I mean there might be times where they're doing it just to gain like some kind of moral high ground, maybe depending on the kind of person they are, but you, you can pretty much tell that and you can just, okay, thank you for your input. I'm not going to implement it, but I appreciate it. You know, like you can weed through what is good and what is not, but to have other people's input is only beneficial to you. And what we said both ways, you are responsible for the way you treat yourself in one of those conversations. So the person who talks to you may not go about it in the best way. One, because they're probably nervous. 
Two, they may not know what to say. Like, and you know, you can't take things back when you're talking to someone in person like that. So to, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt and try to look behind of what is this person trying to say, even if maybe the way he says it, you know, because I think a lot of people when approached with these things, what they're looking for is the first real mistake that the person makes so that they can latch onto that and then dis devalue everything else that they're saying. Yeah, and things, things can be separated, right? Maybe they're wrong about one part of it, but there still is something else good that is worth hearing or worth saying. Uh, so to not take it, you know, baby out with the bathwater. All right. I think that is all. So uh, send us your best fraternal corrections. <laughs> of Alec. <only. laughs> That's right. Um, and if you want, if you're looking for more on this, we do have uh, a blog post coming out uh, on a similar topic. So if there's more on your heart here hopefully that we can be helpful with that all right thank you for listening that is the sinner's take you will hear us in the next one